Chapter Three, Part Two of *The Lost House* by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Three, Part Two. From the window directly beneath them came the crash of a rifle, and from the top of the ladder the revolver of the police officer blazed in the darkness again the rifle crashed and the man on the ladder jerked his hands above his head and pitched backwards ford looked into the face of the girl and found her eyes filled with horror where is my uncle purcell she faltered he has two rifles for shooting in scotland was that a rifle that her lips refused to finish the question. "'It was a rifle,' Ford stammered. "'But probably Prothero—' Even as he spoke, the voice of the Jew rose in a shriek from the floor below them, but not from the window below them. The sound was from the front room opening on Sowell Street. In the awed silence that had suddenly fallen, his shrieks carried sharply. They were more like the snarls and ravings of an animal than the outcries of a man. "'Take that!' he shouted, with a flood of oaths. "'And that! And that!' Each word was punctuated by the report of his automatic, and to the amazement of ford was instantly answered from sowell street by a scattered volley of rifle and pistol shots this isn't a fight he cried it's a battle with miss dale at his side he ran into the front room and raising the blind appeared at the window and instantly as at the other end of the house there was at sight of the woman's figure a tumult of cries a shout of warning and a great roar of welcome from beneath them a man ran into the deserted street and in the glare of the gas-lamp ford saw his white upturned face he was without a hat and his head was circled by a bandage but ford recognized cuthbert that's ford he cried pointing and the girls with him he turned to a group of men crouching in the doorway of the next house to the one in which ford was imprisoned the girls alive he shouted the girls alive the words were caught up and flung from window to window from housetop to housetop with savage jubilant cheers ford pushed miss dale forward let them see you he said and you will never see a stranger sight below them sowell street glistening with rain and snow lay empty but at either end of it held back by an army of police were black masses of men and beyond them more men packed upon the tops of taxicabs and hansoms stretching as far as the street lamps showed and on the roofs shadowy forms crept cautiously from chimney to chimney and in the windows of darkened rooms opposite from behind barricades of mattresses and upturned tables 
rifles appeared stealthily to be lost in a sudden flash of flame and with these flashes were others that came from windows and roofs with the report of a bursting bomb and that on the instant turned night into day and then left the darkness more dark ford gave a cry of delight they're taking flashlight photographs he cried jubilantly well done you pressmen the instinct of the reporter became compelling if they're alive to develop those photographs to-night he exclaimed eagerly cuthbert will send them by special messenger in time to catch the mauritania and the republic will have them by sunday i mayn't be alive to see them he added regretfully but what a feature for the sunday supplement as the eyes of the two prisoners became accustomed to the darkness they saw that the strait was not as at first they had supposed entirely empty directly below them in the gutter where to approach it was to invite instant death from prothero's pistol lay the dead body of a policeman and at the nearer end of the street not fifty yards from them were three other prostrate forms but these forms were animate and alive to good purpose from a public-house on the corner a row of yellow lamps showed them clearly stretched on pieces of board and mats commandeered from hallways and cabs each of the three men lay at full length nursing a rifle their belted grey overcoats flat visored caps and the sets of their shoulders marked them for soldiers for the love of heaven exclaimed ford incredulously they've called out the guards as unconcernedly as though facing the butts at a rifle range the three sharp shooters were firing point-blank at the windows from which prothero and pearsall were waging their way to the death upon the instruments of law and order beside them on his knees in the snow a young man with the silver hilt of an officer's sword showing through the silt in his great-coat was giving commands and at the other end of the street a brother officer in evening dress was directing other sharpshooters bending over them like a coach of a tug-of-war team pointing with white-gloved fingers on the side of the street from which prothero was firing huddled in a doorway were a group of officials inspectors of police fire-chiefs in brass helmets more officers of the guards in bearskins and wrapped in a fur coat the youthful home secretary ford saw him wave his arm and at his bidding the cordon of police broke and slowly forcing its way through the mass of people came a huge touring-car its two blazing eyes sending before it great shafts of light the driver of the car wasted no time in taking up his position dashing halfway down the street he as swiftly backed the automobile over the gutter and up on the sidewalk so that the lights in front fell full on the door of number forty then covered by the fire from the roofs 
he sprang to the lamps and tilted them until they threw their shafts into the windows of the third story prothero's hiding-place was now as clearly exposed as though it were held in the circle of a spotlight and at the success of the manoeuvre the great mob raised an applauding cheer but the triumph was brief in a minute the blazing lamps had been shattered by bullets and once more save for the fierce flashes from rifles and pistols sowell street lay in darkness ford drew miss dale back into the room those men below he said are mad prothero's always been mad and your purcell is mad with drugs and the sight of blood has made them maniacs they know they now have no chance to live there's no fear or hope to hold them and one life more or less means nothing if they should return here he hesitated but the girl nodded quickly i understand she said i'm going to try to break down the door and get to the roof explained ford my hope is that this attack will keep them from hearing and-no protested the girl they will hear you and they will kill you they may take it into their crazy heads to do that anyway protested ford so the sooner i get you away the better i've only to smash the panels close to the bolts put my arm through the hole and draw the bolts back then another blow on the spring lock when the firing is loudest and we are in the hall should anything happen to me you must know how to make your escape alone across the hall is a door leading to an iron ladder that ladder leads to a trap-door the trap-door is open when you reach the roof run westward to a lighted building i am not going without you said miss dale quietly not after what you have done for me i haven't done anything for you yet objected ford but in case i get caught i mean to make sure there will be others on hand who will he pulled his pencil and a letter from his pocket and on the back of the envelope wrote rapidly i will try to get miss dale up through the trap in the roof you can reach the roof by means of the apartment house in devonshire street send men to meet her in the groups of officials half hidden in the doorway farther down the street he could make out the bandaged head of cuthbert cuthbert he called weighting the envelope with a coin he threw it into the air it fell in the gutter under a lamp-post and in full view and at once the two midmen below splashed the street around it with bullets but indifferent to the bullets a policeman sprang from a dark area way and flung himself upon it the next moment he staggered then limping but holding himself erect he ran heavily toward the group of officials the home secretary snatched the envelope from him and held it towards the light in his desire to learn if his message had reached those on the outside ford leaned far over the sill of the window his imprudence was all but fatal 
from the roof opposite there came a sudden yell of warning from directly below him a flash and a bullet grazed his forehead and shattered the window-pane above him he was deluged with a shower of broken glass stunned and bleeding he sprang back with a cry of concern miss dale ran toward him it's nothing stammered ford it only means i must waste no more time he balanced his iron rod as he would a pike-staff and aimed it at the upper half of the door to the hall when the next volley comes he said i'll smash the panel with the bar raised high his muscles on a strain he stood alert and poised waiting for a shot from the room below to call forth an answering volley from the house-tops but no sound came from below and the sharpshooters waiting for the madmen to expose themselves held their fire ford's muscles relaxed and he lowered his weapon he turned his eyes inquiringly to the girl what's this mean he demanded unconsciously his voice had again dropped to a whisper they're short of ammunition said the girl in a tone as low as his own or they are coming here with a peremptory gesture ford waved her toward the room adjoining and then ran to the window the girl was leaning forward with her face close to the door she held the finger of one hand to her lips with the other hand she beckoned ford ran to her side some one is moving in the hall she whispered perhaps they are escaping by the roof no she corrected herself they seem to be running down the stairs again now they are coming back do you hear she asked it sounds like some one running up and down the stairs what can it mean from the direction of the staircase ford heard a curious creaking sound as of many light footsteps he gave a cry of relief the police he shouted jubilantly they've entered through the roof and they're going to attack in the rear you're safe he cried he sprang away from the door and with two swinging blows smashed the broad panel and then with a cry he staggered backward full in his face through the break he had made swept a hot wave of burning cinders through the broken panel he saw the hall choked with smoke the steps of the staircase and the stair rails wrapped in flame the house is on fire he cried they've taken to the roof and set fire to the stairs behind them with the full strength of his arm and shoulders he struck and smashed the iron bar against the door but the bolts held and through each fresh opening he made in the panels the burning cinders drawn by the draught from the windows swept into the room from the street a mighty yell of consternation told them the fire had been discovered miss dale ran to the window and the yell turned to a great cry of warning 
the air was rent with frantic voices jump cried some go back entreated others the fire chief ran into the street directly below her and shouted at her through his hands wait for the life net he commanded wait for the ladders ladders panted ford before they can get their engines through that mob through the jagged opening in the door he thrust his arm and jerked free the upper bolt an instant later he had kicked the lower panel into splinters and withdrawn the second bolt and at last under the savage onslaught of his iron bar the spring-lock flew apart the hall lay open before him on one side of it the burning staircase was a well of flame at his feet the matting on the floor was burning fiercely he raced into the bedroom and returned instantly carrying a blanket and a towel dripping with water he pressed the towel across the girl's mouth and nostrils hold it there he commanded blinded by the bandage miss dale could see nothing but she felt herself suddenly wrapped in the blanket and then lifted high in ford's arms she gave a cry of protest but the next instant he was running with her swiftly while the flames from the stairwell scorched her hair she was suddenly tumbled to her feet the towel and blanket snatched away and she saw ford hanging from an iron ladder holding out his hand she clasped it and he drew her after him the flames and cinders pursuing and snatching hungrily but an instant later the cold night air smote her in the face from hundreds of hoarse throats a yell of welcome greeted her and she found herself on the roof dazed and breathless and free at the same moment the lifting fire-ladder reached the sill of the third-story window and a fireman shielding his face from the flames peered into the blazing room what he saw showed him there were no lives to rescue stretched on the floor with their clothing in cinders and the flames licking at the flesh were the bodies of the two murderers a bullet-hole in the forehead of each showed that self-destruction and cremation had seemed a better choice than the gallows and a grave of quicklime on the roof above two young people stood breathing heavily and happily staring incredulously into each other's eyes running toward them across the roofs stumbling and falling were many blue-coated helmeted angels of peace and law and order how can i tell you whispered the girl quickly how can i ever thank you and i was angry she exclaimed with self-reproach i did not understand you she gave a little sigh of content now i think i do he took her hand and she did not seem to know that he held it and she cried in wonder i don't even know your name the young man seemed to have lost his confidence for a moment he was silent the name's all right he said finally 
his voice was still a little shaken a little tremulous i only hope you'll like it it's got to last you a long time end of chapter three part two end of the lost house by richard harding davis recorded by carolyn in july and august two thousand and twelve in hanover germany thank you for listening